Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. What's up, everybody? This is the pre-video. We're doing a preview of Ultimate Masters real quick, um, live on YouTube. Make sure to follow us. I'm at Kess Wiley on Twitter. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. And we are both the MMCast on Twitter at the MMCast and pretty much everywhere. Just first search at the MMCast. Uh, we are currently live streaming this on our YouTube channel, so make sure to subscribe there uh, and like and comment and do all the things that every YouTube channel tells you to do. If yeah. you've ever been on YouTube, you know what to do. You guys have been doing it, though, It's really cool. We've had great support from you. So, um, And last but very not least, uh, make sure to check out our sister podcast and you can check out the audio version of this podcast at collected.company. Um, it is the website that we live on. It's great. Check it out. Yeah. Cool. So Sick. so without just so I can start sharing the last piece of this information on the internet so we can get it over with, yeah. uh, I, I want to really reveal our preview card right now. Okay. And But to do so, I kind of need to discard a blue spell. <laughs> no! That'll <laughs> push. It was so close. There we go. That was, a dis- that was a disaster. It's getting worse. It's getting worse before it's getting better. There we go. That was live. <laughs> Sick. Goodbye, Miss Binder. Uh, no, was that? Uh, Merfolk Mist Binder. Merfolk Mist Binder. So our preview card. Welcome to Scrapping Shoal. Let's post this really quick onto yeah. Reddit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Something went wrong. Don't panic. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I know something went wrong. We didn't panic. We made it work. Um, so, yes, our preview card is Disrupting Shoal. Sick, right? I'm a big fan. Uh, I love Disrupting Shoal. We're, as soon as Alex resolves this here, we're going to talk about Disrupting yeah. Shoal for a few minutes. And why don't you why talk about good. it a little bit while I deal with this? Disrupting Shoal, uh, as you can see behind us, is uh, an instant arcane. I'm going to hold up a little closer so you guys can... Oh, nope. It's going to not card over if I do that, so... I'm just going to leave it right there. Um, Disrupting Shoal is an instant. It's blue, blue, X. Uh, counter-target spell with converted mana cost X. It's an instant. It's an arcane spell originally from the Kamigawa block, so it's got the whole uh, splice on arcane Ooh. tie-in thing that people do. Um, but the alternative cost is you may remove a blue card with converted mana cost X from your hand rather than paying it. It's casting cost. It is modern's force of will, <laughs> give or take. It's the only one that we have in modern that is like properly a card like this. Uh, as a counterspell. It's not really used in the same way because obviously Force of Will and even to some degree Days have a much wider grip of what they're able to hit. Uh, But this card is interesting and people have made it work. And as Modern has progressed over the last few years, it has become an exceptionally tight one-drop, two-drop format. Um, Except in the case of cards that cost six that people pay two for um, or one for. So it's actually a pretty a pretty versatile card. People have played with it, um, but it has never really been adopted as a tier one card in modern. Um, I just happen to love it because I think it's a really really fun way to play super low to the ground blue spells and still have some way to interact. Um, I think most famously this card has been played in that Travis Wu cheap thirty blue deck, the uh, Ninja Bear Delver. I think is what the the other name for it. Maybe that was a similar deck, but those are like the two yeah, disrupting troll decks. I mean, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's obviously the secondary best free counterspell in the format with um, Pact Negation being the premier one. Well, they're different though, right? Because Pact, Pact, you have to play late in the game in a very specific situation. Because unless you can Angels Grace it, oh yeah, you, yeah, just, you can get you around just lose. with Gideon, right? But like, but like, this or you use it to win the turn you have it. Like, yeah, that's that's which happens. 
Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. But I mean, my in, ter- in terms of what Force of Will gets to do, which is in the first two or three turns of the game, like change the interaction so that you can advance your game plan uh, and set up, that's what this card is capable of doing in Modern. It can support you in your first few turns. Pact is a, a very specific, I either win or I'm playing this late in the game card. That's, right, that's fair. So it's a combo counterspell, whereas this is like an actual fair counterspell. Sure. It's a two-for-one on yourself counterspell that is free. Um, yeah, I love this card. I actually have a deck that I brewed up at one point recently, and I was going to play. Uh, I was going to stream it, and then, you know, things went haywire, and I haven't streamed it yet. But I, I probably still will. And it was like a fairy miscreant, um, you know, the 2-1 the fairy imposter uh, with, like, other one-drop flyers, curious obsession, aether vial, cheap counter spells, like, you know, spell pierce and spell snare and stuff like that. And then this card... And the idea was that you were getting your card advantage back with your Curious Obsessions, Curiosities on 1-1 Flyers that were becoming 2-2 Flyers. Mm-hmm. You were advancing, playing like, you know, 18 lands with Aether Vial, and you had your four Disrupting Shoals to make sure that you could protect your, you know, Flyer early. Um, and I still probably will, will brew that deck up because it seems really sweet and really fun to play. And I think it's just mono blue, so I think it's probably pretty cheap. It's kind of similar to some of those uh, Ninja Bear Del- Delver decks and things like that, but... Uh, that is that is the deck that I have messed around with this card the most in. Have you ever brewed a Disrupting Shell deck? Uh, I've tried. Uh, I know the best deck that we've ever talked about with it was the one that we had um, Josh uh, Kim on, where we did the song, where we sang. Right. We had that really good rug, a really fun rug, a Disrupting Shell deck. I do remember that. And it yeah. had, yeah, 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 yeah. His deck was like all like foiled out and stuff. He had like he had like gotten the expeditions. And Correct. Was, yeah, yeah, he was like deep. He was deep, deep into. He was deep into that deck. Yep. Which is yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. How's the sharing going? Uh, my like Reddit account was locked because I think someone tried putting on my pack, like signing in from a different place, Uh-oh. and so I am fixing it. But we should be okay. Good. Hopefully this works. So yeah, big thanks to Wizard for giving us this card to Wizards of the Coast. Um, as always, they present these cards to us as a gift. It's just a wonderful piece of support for the community, um, and we could not be you know thankful any more than we already are. Um, it's it's a great honor to have premiered all of these cards behind us. Yeah. Um, even isolate. <laughs> it didn't hit. <laughs> we thought it might. It didn't. Well, I think I think it's actually surprising. I mean, like it's. Surprising how many of the cards we've gotten have been important or format defining or at least played consistently. Well, we're the we're the modern we're, we're the modern podcast, so that's that's why they give us like the modern card. I mean, that's definitely true. I guess my my point is, is that there's a level of this, like guessing what cards you're going to see play in modern is yeah. not that easy. Like no. Wizards, even though Wizards, obviously Wizards has a better idea than most, but like even then getting a good idea regularly of what's going to do well isn't going to always hit. And we don't always get like the card. So for instance, like we got we got Knight of Autumn, which is awesome, but we didn't get uh, Assassin's, Trophy. Assassin's Trophy, which would have been like the card for Although modern. I think, I think, I think Knight of Autumn is seeing play. more play than, than Assassin's Trophy. Yeah. And, you know, like, we, we, there's another card that's seeing more play. We like, got Whispers of Emrakul instead of getting oh, Traverse, Traverse, but, like, whatever. Like, the cards we get are sweet. That's the point. <laughs> they continue to give us, like, Correct. a sweet card every time. Right, right, um, right. Even, like, Isolate, which is, like, not a very good card, is at least sweet. It's, like, interesting. Like, that's a card that when, it, when we saw it, we're like, oh, there's, this is, like... Oh, I, can, I can see them thinking it would see play. I mean, like, there's a lot of things on it that look like a card that would see play in Modern, and... and um, I just made an argument for why Disrupting Shoal is good. It is because things in Modern primarily cost one. Like, that would make this card also, by definition, at least interesting. Yeah, and, and I think 
if Isolate existed in a world where Death Rite Shaman was once again the best deck in the format, uh, it, yep. it could come back. But right now, the deck is like mono, three mana and four mana beaters that people play for free. Yep. <laughs> uh, when like, yeah, you're dealing with Gurmag Anglers and you're dealing with um, Prize of Malgrams and you're dealing with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things, things, that, yeah. things that are cheap, like that are free or cost one, but actually cost like a different mana cost. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all your Tassigers and all your like expensive things, they're, uh, they're not actually one and two drops. They're right, like, absolutely. You know, like Reveler is an eight drop. Um, I agree. Filipino Macchio, the claim to fame, should see a lot more play. The card's so sweet. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's so, that's our preview card. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Ultimate Master so far? I'm a big fan. I mean, okay. I believe the episode that we posted last week was the Ultimate Masters episode, right? We no, did our, I mean we had no, we didn't see anything from it. Well, we saw. We no, talked, no, no we not talked. a review. I, mean, I think we talked about the set in last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little yeah, bit. Yeah. The, so this will be maybe a little bit of a segue into we that we last week's episode we talked about the Pro Tour and this, and so they're going to be connected. Yeah. And so this week's episode where you can bring up the fact that we've now seen a ton of cards and the value is not locked in at uh, Mythic. the Mythic and Rare slot. Like it goes deep. Like devoted Druid is uncommon. Like there's, yeah. there is. There's cards that are yeah. This, this is going to be a sweet set, and I I for one I know people have been up in arms about this set. I'm a big fan of this set. I like actually. Really I would much rather it. sets like this exist that are expensive than sets like iconic Modern masters. masters two or iconic masters exist that yeah. are inexpensive. The fact that there's just every single car in here is sweet. The fact that I'm going to be able to Fauna Shaman for Vengevine, and likely there's you know we were talking about this before with Michael, but that Root Wall is probably in this set, so I can sweet. Thon of Shaman or Root Wall in play. I'm all about that. So oh, the, the value. <laughs> the value is unreal. It is, is, what's it called? One of the preview cards? What? Was um, Enchantment Fauna Shaman? One of the... Survival of the Fittest is on the reserve list. It's on the reserve list. Pick them up team. now, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, so sweet. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a it's a great set. I'm excited for it. I, I oh yeah, think. Dark Depths and Thespian Stage are both in this set. Yeah, you'll be able to. That'll that happen. Thing you can do that'll happen in limited at least once. You, I mean, you could also through the breach Emrakul in this set. Like there's <laughs> or Gordio's Emrakul or Gordio's Emrakul or so is this? Yeah. Do we know um, the level? But there's a containment priest, and you can just get him. <laughs> oh wait, containment priest isn't. Oh, yeah. Containment priest already was a foil, right? Uh, there's a uh, a judge an expedition. Right? Of containment, pre- oh, a masterpiece of it. A masterpiece. That's right. Um, this set is going to be available like at what level? Like, will this will be available at the level of iconic and eternal, or is this a little more limited? No, I think it'll be at the level of iconic and eternal. It's just going to be much more expensive. So to be able to get it, it's not going to be. Yeah. Because my question is like, for the longest time, buying magic sets and sitting on them was like one of the best investments you could possibly make. Mm-hmm. They just like always appreciate it, and then it slowed down recently. But this set, because of how many sick cards are in it? This just feels like a, a slam dunk, right? Or is the or is the cost buy-in so high that the idea that it's going to appreciate too much unrealistic? I don't know. I mean, uh, I think it's worth holding on to. I think, like, for instance, New Frixie is cheaper than this set right now. And that yeah. seems, based on how much value is in this set, seems silly. Like, yeah. I would never buy a New Frixie box with this box available to buy instead. Yeah, I mean, the, just the box topper alone. And will there be a box topper available at... Every, every level, box. so it comes in the box. So there you, it's Always. not like it's not like stores get them to give to people who buy boxes. So if you them. buy, a, so if you buy one of these in five years, a sealed box of this, you will still be getting a box, box topper. Topper. Yeah, and th- and that's the other thing is, what is the value of selling box toppers? 
an unopened box stopper, is that worth $100? You can use a flashlight to see what the card is through the box stopper packaging. So, oh, oh okay. Let so, this nope. be an official Masters of Modern announcement. Do not buy. Do not buy box stoppers without a flashlight. Got it. Okay. I did not know that. <laughs> that is they an come official... sealed in the box, so it's not like stores can just only give out the bad ones. They're sealed in the box. So if you buy a sealed box, you get an, a box an unaltered box stopper. Got if it. If you're just buying a rando box stopper on eBay, Says not, that is not true. Says someone in the chat. Um, what well, is, but they're delayed from what we're saying. Yes. What is what, pardon, what is not true? How do you not know the topper were in the box? Oh. Can we? Uh, do you know or anybody know offhand what is the most what is the most expensive box topper? What's like the one, the Chase card? Is it Snapcaster? There are really good ones. I mean, there's, there's a, in cars, Snapcaster, no Liliana. Like, there's insane ones. Well, like, all, but you also have to like. There's like Emerkel, so like, and, and there's like Mana Vault or whatever, isn't there? Yeah. So like, like a crazy like. It's hard. I have no idea. I don't even think they're for sale yet. Like, I tried looking when they were all being previewed to see if I could find. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't. I mean, I'm assuming they're somewhere now. Will you buy, will you be buying any? Like, just actually buying them because you are like straight a, up cards. Well, because like for your no. commander decks, you have like that one deck, your blue white deck that you've gone all in on. Well, it's just all foil. Like, I have the bad foils of stuff. Like, I don't have like original foils of some of the cards. I have judge promos or from the vaults or yeah, yeah. I'm not that committed. <laughs> um, I'm not like oh man, this needs to be the best version of every card. So. Um, excellent. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, so this is probably going to wrap up the preview first part of this episode. Yeah, and then as, this will be attached to the other episode. Yeah, and so there's a full episode coming right after this, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for supporting the show four years later. Uh, thank you to Wizards for giving us this card. We are thankful for that. Uh, and we hope you guys enjoyed the stream. And, and uh, Early on is $350. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah, and enjoy the next full episode. And we'll be back after Thanksgiving with more awesome stuff. Um, anything else for the people, Alex? Oh, yeah, so I can give you from Karn is currently uh, the highest based on pre-order prices, but people think it might be through the breach since it's harder to find. Noble Hierarch is up there. Um, and then people are arguing about how searchable they are. But uh, I would still not buy those packs separately. I would just... That seems silly. Cool. Cool. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you guys uh, next week. Happy All right, Thanksgiving. Guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, uh, Ben Botman. What's up, guys? Um, normal, normal host of the show, Ben Bateman, couldn't make it. I'm here. I'm Ben Botman, um, filling in. Is that spelled B-A-U-G-H-T-M-A-N? <laughs> I'm like a botanist. Yeah. You know, that's what I, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm here, guys. We're here to talk to you about what's going on in the world of Magic the Gathering. This is the Masters of Modern podcast. It's exciting. We're back. We're streaming live for you right now. Um, yeah, there was a pro tour. There's all kinds of things. What are we talking about today on the show, Alex? Pro tour things. It's a standard Pro Tour, so from a competitive perspective, we're going to talk about a little bit of stuff. We're going to talk a lot about the format of how Pro Tours work. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of what happened. We're going to talk about a little bit of uh, what cool cards saw play that were good, that if we think they might make their way into modern. We might talk a little bit about white weenie decks in general, or mono white decks in modern. And uh, we're going to do some shout-outs, and we're going to talk about um, a, fantasy fa- uh, a fantasy draft. Oh, we did a fantasy pro tour draft. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little we bit. We did that. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so cool. There's a lot to talk I, about today on the show. If you want to follow along with the conversation, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Bateman Media. I'm at Cass Wiley. This podcast is at The Own Cast. If you want alerts for when this show is going on, you should definitely follow on Twitter, but also subscribe on YouTube. Yeah. People watching live right now, 
Hit that like, subscribe, comment, see the little thumb up. There's only two there, and there's at least 13 of you watching, so I want to see that go up. And We've then people got... watching this video also do that as well. And then yeah. people on the audio feed who are not watching the video, thank you. And we uh, also would like you to check out the review page for the iTunes library. So Please do. Please do. Keep anywhere us... you can give us five stars, a thumbs up, or a like, or a subscribe, do so in all of those places. I absolutely agree. Uh, the YouTube channel has been growing, which has really been cool to see. Uh, we get new subscribers every day. We have like yeah. 2,200 people in there now. So oh, Oscar, Oscar wants you to say his last name. He wants me to say it, yeah, not you. Say it then. He would like me to say Exclamation it. mark. Does he? Oscar Barrientos. Okay. I believe that was correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is a double R. This might be a little bit more. R. Maybe it's Barrientos? Yeah. Barrientos? Yeah. There yeah. We go. Okay. okay. All right. Moving on. So anyway, <laughs> guys, that is what we're here to do today. Is to uh, talk to you about all of those fun things, things that have happened in the magic world since last we talked to you. What's going on? Um, a pro tour happened. A pro tour happened? No real modern tournaments happened. I don't think there was a modern open this weekend. I was not paying Grampy. Yeah. Pro Tour and oh, there was Grand Prix Atlanta that was this weekend. No, that was the one we covered. Oh, that was last two, week. oh, because it was the week before the Pro Tour. Yeah, which was also in Atlanta. Yeah, so I think. The, yeah, I think the stuff. Um, wait, you said it the English way first, but good when you roll the R's. Excellent. So I think what's really interesting about standard Pro Tours and standard decks is yeah. that you can you can basically see when you look at these lists because largely this Pro Tour was won by aggro decks like boros aggro decks like that was basically the top eight so like a lot of white decks but you can kind of see the difference between the types of cards you're playing so there are cards that you can see that you're like like a good example of this would be like history banalia where you're like this card's really powerful it's properly costed for its rate that i could see a deck in modern taking advantage of it and then there's cards like lava coil where you're like this is just the classic standard available card that is being played in this slot Sure, and some of that is also like the uniqueness of effect. Like, are there better three drops that create two, two, two tokens over two turns? And I don't really think there are. So, like, it does get a lot of, but body onto the field that like are removal resistant. But on the other hand, how really like three drops I want to play in modern are three drops that like win me the game in the next turn and a half totally. if they don't get answered, and or are part of a engine that lets me go on. Where this is just like. A three mana two two, even though it's a three mana two two that gives you a second two two on the next turn, I wouldn't play. I mean, like, would you play? Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, like a well, you get a two two token with uh, retrace, not retrace. The flash, the, the sends enlistment. You're talking no, about like it happens now and then happens on your next turn. Yeah, rebound. Rebound. Would you play no. like a two two for rebound? And, and what I my point was less to say that I think history banalia belongs in modern because it's not like that card was introduced for this pro tour. Mm-hmm. That card's been legal for a while. It was more like you could. That's the kind of card that if you saw somebody find success in a modern tournament with that card, you'd like, yeah, you'd go okay. This was this was yeah. a premier mythic that was pushed pretty hard. There's a reason this card's good versus like you're never going to see a deck with a lava coil in modern like it's just there are other cards that do similar things uh, there isn't a two mana do damage for four exile a creature is there the oh, exiling a creature i think is relevant maybe what you're saying is true but even then it just feels like a two mana sorcery speed only creature yes is yeah. pretty narrow right now like, now pillar of flame would be more likely to see play in modern than you would see this card i mean at least looking at the top eight the cards that like really kind of took the thing by storm and we're going to talk about why this could have happened and what this yep. means but uh, adanto vanguard was like kind of the big all-star of this tournament and that this card been out is, for like a year and a half that card's is, really good yeah, it's like obviously really good uh healer's hawk ended up being just this giant big game all weekend. Multiple, every single deck was playing multiple copies. Some of them were playing as four of One one flyer for one. One one flying lifelink for one. 
Hmm. And so, like, just like the fact that it's gang you left every turn, leading in Vanguard was a big play. It, it, it ended up that actually Johnny's Primate was the big tech for the whole weekend. Which, because, you know, in modern, that's, that's a modern playable card. Soul Sisters yeah. has been playing oh, yeah. a Johnny Primate since the card was basically printed. That's a cool. Uh, that's that's a cool variety of card. The whenever you gain life, this thing happens card. Mm-hmm. There's not that many of them. They've they've printed more in the last few years. They like to use that effect, mm-hmm. but I like it. I like the redundancy of that effect. It makes it it it's finding a way to make gaining life fun, which is something that they struggled with for a long time. Right, right. Obviously. And like having things trigger off of it, and that, that's you know, there's the new card that lets you draw cards every time you gain life if you pay two mana, and that's. Mark Rosewater wrote an entire section of one of his articles on just like the fact that this is a card that he was kind of worried about printing because it's so easy to incidentally gain life. But is it going to be okay color poly wise for white to draw this many cards? And we're going to find out how it goes. I mean, it definitely is seeing some play now. There's a card. Um, in, there's a card that I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you've probably played against this with somebody in EDH at some point. The card's Searing Meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a card that I've always been curious to see if somebody could find a way to make it work in modern. Sure. The, the thing I would love to see somebody do is build a deck that's like sort of a turbo fog deck with all of the uh, come into play tapped gain of life lands and searing meditation mm-hmm. where you could effectively just turn every single land into a triggered shock. Sure. Um, that seems pretty dope. Like if you built like a deck that was like amulet like amulet all the tapped lands searing meditation and then just like a bunch of stay alive cards so all of a sudden every single land you draw is an untapped source that like that seems like could be pretty cool okay yeah yeah um, especially if it comes in untapped and it can tap itself to generate one of the two right right now, now the big news of this top eight is that it was six of the same deck and then one is it drakes for the record been on that train since the beginning Glad the world's finally catching on. I mean, you've uh, been on the, you've been on the Arclight Phoenix train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the card, the deck's called Drakes. Were you yes. play, were you playing Cackling Drake? I've been high on Cackling Drake actually pretty early. Crackling Drake. Yeah. The name of Drake's been was from M nineteen. Yes, it Drake actually was originally from yeah, Theros. A, not, a, not Theros. Not Theros. Uh, Almond Cat. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's pyramids behind it. I played a lot of Enigma Drakes in uh, in at Gen Con. That was like my card. I oh, played yeah. the crap out of that card. But no, I mean, it, there have been multiple articles written that this is an Arc Lake Phoenix deck. If Arc Lake Phoenix wasn't this deck, this deck probably doesn't exist. I mean, Enigma Drake, or it looks like the Jeskai Control deck, which is the other deck that wasn't uh, red white aggro. <laughs> why do you <laughs> I think play three crackling Jakes? Why do you think aggro is such a popular choice at Pro Tours? So, well, I think a because. Pro Tours are generally format defining, like even with this delayed Pro Tour format, which I don't like, and that'll be one of the things we talk about today. But uh, with the delayed format, Pro Tour format, you get a situation where like pros are going to try and break this format. So you don't know what you're going to deck, what you're going to be playing against. And so when you're in a format where you don't know what you're playing against, a aggressive deck is just going to be a safer choice because a control deck is always going to be hard. But then you always have players like, I mean, Jessica Control was playing by Wilson Mock, and then Is It Drakes, who it does have a lot of control features to it, was played by Yu Yu Watanabe. So these are like people that have played a lot of blue red spells in their lives. Um, now, the thing that be the really pay attention to, and that's kind of going to be one of the themes of today's episode, is the reason so much of the top eight was this red white aggro list has way more to do with draft than it has to do with. Um, the actual uh, decks themselves. If you look at the 30 points, decks with 30 points are better, so 10-0 or 9-1 with 27 points, it's very diverse. There's a ton of blue decks. There's a ton of green decks. Like There's no green decks in the top eight here, but in this top 30 with perfect records, there's a 
almost half of it is green decks. So be, you're saying that the players that did really well in draft incidentally were playing this these decks versus... I think I think the players that did really well in draft are the ones that made it to the top eight because you have to do well in draft. And the people that were getting really good at draft were ones that were like, I don't want to spend too much time on standard, so I'm going to play this play this aggressive, aggressive deck. deck so I don't have to do as much well, testing. Well, historically, mono red is the is the usual, like, that's the old joke. Like, yeah, the Pro Tour is probably going to get won by mono red. Like, I it, mean, mono, it red, mono red has won more Pro Tours than any other deck archetype in the history of Magic. Because, yeah, and it's always on the back of some card like Goblin Ravel Master gets printed in the standard. It's like a pushed right. card. It does something cool. It's a lot of value. Not always. Even like, like I think the Pro Tour, Innistrad's first Pro Tour, or like Innistrad Blocks for Pro Tour was won by a mono red deck, and it was like just like decent red Standard, spells. just staple. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that's interesting. I, and, and so that begs, begs the question here, which is that do we think that limited should be a major part of the pro tour or a part of the pro tour at all. So I did a poll. I'm going to bring up my phone because I. All right. That's us. No, I can go to. I can go to ourselves. And cool. Did a poll. I asked the internet yesterday. Wait a second. Was that Eric Frederick up at the top there? Possibly. I'll go look at it in a second. Uh, should pro tours get rid of draft? And. Yep. I gave the options of yes, only one format, no, keep it as is, or yes, but still two formats. So the options are like GPs, like there's a modern Pro Tour and it's only modern. And then there's a standard one. And then the other option was just keep it as is. Yeah. And then the third one was yes, there shouldn't be draft in the Pro Tour, or at least most Pro Tour shouldn't automatically have draft, but there should be two formats, so modern and standard. And it was 37 for yes, only one format, 32% for yes, but still two formats, and then no, keep it as is, was 31%. So Well, it's, it's really interesting because, see, like my opinion on this is that I definitely think you should stick to one format. I think it's way more interesting and it's way more fun as a player mm-hmm. to prepare for that. I mean, I've never played on a pro tour. I have played GPs, and I, but the one thing I can tell you is that the only weekend that I go and am a part of that has more than one format is when we do these Highlander Invitational things. Sure. And you go, and it's like six rounds of Highlander on day one, mm-hmm. and then there's like a three-round draft with something new, and then there's some old, wacky, like chaos type of thing. Sure. And I've said for a while, now we spend months preparing for this one format this highlander format yeah, i get to do all these other things at any other time i, do, I want yeah, yeah i don't care i just want to play 12 rounds of highlander that's what i want to do and so to me this is the same thing where it's like if you're gonna just grill it you're on the pro tour for the first time this is your first chance you've been grilling standard like play standard that's what people want to see right and and this is i think some of the issue because part of this conversation should well before we get that finalizing the poll 70% said yes, get rid of draft. Yeah. Like, depending on, it doesn't matter which of the two other options they picked, only 31%, and that's less than any other option, even if you compare it against other things, wants draft to stay as is. So that's a pretty large percentage to just say, no, we shouldn't have draft anymore in Pro Tours because draft is relatively uninteresting to watch. Like, it's fine when you're watching draft videos online, but like, from a Pro Tour perspective, there's not that much different watching draft at a Pro Tour than yep. watching draft like on a live stream that someone's just streaming, especially now that arena exists where arena is so much more interesting to watch draft on than like than a pro tour. Yeah. Like I think interesting that 90% of the time I would choose to watch arena than arena an arena draft over a pro tour magic. Just draft. because it's like more visually pleasing, like the animation, you can read and what the cards are saying. You can see what's happening at all times. It's built to be more representative. It's more controlled. You know, what's in the player's hand. It's not like a pro tour where like, you have to like see from top down. It's hard to see what the cards are. And they've like really introduced a lot of technology to try to get us to be able to like over the shoulder, like see what somebody's drafting. The, the amount of times in limited that I was watching this weekend where like the card that was shown isn't the card that the people are talking about. And I don't know the names of 
60% of the commons and uncommons right. in a format. Like right. I know what the rares are that are seeing standard play. And I know obviously the ones that are, I mean, obviously I'm a bad example because my knowledge of card names is famously bad, but like yeah. even people that I'm better off than most casual people. And the point, so that that's, that's one issue. The other issue and the thing to keep in mind in this conversation to play a little bit of devil's advocate is the pro tour exists as an advertisement for magic. That's the biggest and most important part of this is that if you're, trying to sell new cards you get to see more of the new cards if you have a draft format and that's very hard to re- like you don't get to replace that by more standard because it's just going to be the rares and the most powerful commons you're not going to see all the other cards so uh, this is i think what my in-head solution is of this problem is i think that there should be full standard gp or full standard pro choice just all standard because standard does still sell the most recent cards and every single card that's seen play in that tournament can be bought out of packs right yep, like right. like those are where you get them right now is out of packs then there and there's six there's six pro tours now here that's one thing that has changed so it allows a little bit more freedom on what you do with them i think another format should be um there should be a whole 100 percent draft pro tour but do you think that that's interesting to watch that many? I think it's more interesting, at least if the whole weekend is limited than how it currently stands. I don't know if that's better than a GP. I don't know what viewership is on. And maybe it's not. I mean, that might be true. I'm just trying to find points. I do think the modern pro tour has to have draft involved. I don't think you can have a modern pro tour by itself from the perspective of this is for a marketing budget. And the purpose of this is to sell packs. And if you have nothing in the event, that's not at least somewhat about that advertising spend. It's hard for wizards to really make it make sense to the greater beings at, at, at large. What if you eliminated just, 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 just play devil's advocate again for a second. What if you yeah. were to eliminate the, this is a marketing budget move and this was just the highest level magic tournament. And the purpose of it was a big cash prize to get the biggest players out. If that was how it ran, would you then, want then the modern no pro tour to just be a modern pro tour? Well, the, no, I, I know what you're saying. It would have the budget of, it would have the budget of a GP. And we have less than that because no people GPs are half paid for by people's entry fees, and this is a gift. I, I'm I understand that, so yeah. logi- like logically, sure. But I'm saying like this is magical Christmas land for a second. If magical Christmas land is like <laughs> stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you're stupid. All right, fine. Keep doing your thing. Well, it's just like hey, if this main reason that this is happening wasn't the main reason, is this a thing that's true? Yes, obviously, I would love a GP a pro tour that was 100% modern, and that was it. I would, I would, from a viewership perspective, that's the most interesting, but the money that the viewership gets them on Twitch is not even, like, a drop in the bucket of what right. everything else is. Now, with Arena existing, standard-only pro tours makes more sense to me, because now the motivation of people wanting to play Magic is both then play arena where individual cards don't matter as much as them just playing more of it and and motivating them to try new decks out so they have to use wild cards to get the cards they need are you like a very big fan of arena right yeah arena is like the best i like barely have played it it's like really good i played the like the closed beta but i played it on my stupid pc that i bought that i could play moto on Mm -hmm. and like i haven't gotten to play it on mac yet where i feel comfortable and it's like a computer that i want to use and sure i mean when i play it on mac it's parallel so it's technically through a pc yeah, but you're using your Mac. Like, yeah, yeah, it's my Mac mouse, so I know where all the keys are. And yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I apologize to our modern audience of this podcast because because of Arena and Arena being a part of my life, I have now been at least more consciously aware of Standard and therefore more inclined to talk about it a little bit um, versus before where my main magic activity was modern, and so that was an issue. Now, 
arena is really good. It's like very well made. It's much more visually interesting than Moto. Like there's just a lot of things it does really, really, really right. Interesting. Um, All right. Yeah. But with that in mind, I think that does allow them to do 100% format Pro Tours because you can have a fully standard Pro Tour. Now, the other the other thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is team Pro Tours are going to become a thing. Like right. They showed that that's a thing, and I think doing a like team limited Pro Tour is even interesting. Like Then there is more of a conversation because team draft is a much more interesting format to watch than a regular draft because you can't do that on, on Arena. You can't do that on a live stream very easily. The only real environment to do that are GPs and, and, and Pro Tours, and so having that be a cool format there is something that's exciting. Right. Um, and that also lets you do kind of a three-format thing where one player plays Legacy, one player plays Modern, one player plays Standard. People talking to us in the chat. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's a lot of things on the chat. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's, um, that's my thought on... Should there be draft and Pro Tours? Yeah, and I think... I think the answer is there shouldn't be. I think the like from a from a because Magic is moving much more towards trying to be an esport with the arena and with the Pro Tour in general, which has been trying to do. The point of that feature should be to gain as much viewership as possible. And one of the problems with limited is it's the most difficult for a new player to kind of walk into. I think with standard, at least like every round, I'm seeing these same decks being played, and I kind of get a game plan. With draft, it's all just like somewhat generic with a bunch of cards that are really hard for me to keep track of because every deck's playing a bunch of drags that I'm not going to need to know in six months. Let's talk about quickly before we move on from standard yeah. um, the Drake's deck because the, the the mono white and the the Boros deck like it's cool and it's playing good cards and there's interesting cards in there like there's the triple white there's the triple white soldier lord guy or whatever he's cool um, obviously we talked about the Benalia and like these cards but I want to talk about this Drake's deck because yeah. it feels like for the longest time. Okay, so Arclight Phoenix is a deck. People are playing that. That's, yep. a, that's a thing people are doing. Yep. And some of the other cards in here we know are not modern level powerful. But a lot of them are, though. I mean, yeah. like, Tormenting Voice has seen some modern play. Chart the Course is like definitely, modern, definitely playable. modern playable. Lava Coil, we discussed, could be even sideboard, but it's just the best red removal yep. spell after Shock in Beacon the format. Bolt's not good enough. Beacon Bolt is not good enough. Um, but it's not, it's close. This kills a lot of things. <laughs> Oh, oh! I was thinking of a different card. Well, it costs three though, so that's the. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, the major yeah. difference here. So, looking at this deck though, the thing that I find like the most discovery interesting. Discovery dispersal. We've talked about modern opt is a modern card. Shock would just be lightning bolt, but fine. Radical idea is pretty modern playable. This yeah, I mean, yeah. this deck is literally just a slightly worse version of the blue red deck that people are playing in modern with Arclight yeah. Phoenix. What I want to talk about though is not the Arclight Phoenix part. It's the other part. It's the it is the crackling Drake and then the other list that we're playing the other Drake Enigma Drake. It's that deck because. I don't necessarily know that that's a modern deck, but those combined with what's the other one that I love, Spellheart Chimera, which is the same card except without the exile component. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like an interesting strategy that I've been curious if anyone's ever going to make work in modern for a long time because you cycle through cards so fast in modern, you, you could turn these things into just enormous threats, like an Enigma Drake or an or, or a, the other thing or a crack. I think the crackling one probably doesn't work because it costs four, but the other but guys cost three. ATPs, but yeah, the other two cost three. Sure. The other two cost three, and like, and you're not you're not playing as many possible flashback variants, so the exile feature on it is not as important. Sure. Okay. Like once you get one of these guys up to five, five instances of sorceries, mm-hmm. you have put your opponent on a very steep clock. If you get it up to seven, 
with them taking life off of their own lands, very likely, they're on a very quick clock. Well, that's that's also why they're playing um, Maximize Velocity. Like, the purpose of Maximize Velocity in this deck is to give Enigma Drake or uh, Crackling Drake at four or five mana. Yeah. Just, like a haste 10 4 flyer for five or four well that's an insane number you you have to give them haste is what i've learned so one of one of the things that i've noticed uh maximize velocity is very good at (laughs) yeah so okay so again i i know we're talking standard and i the other form you play standard i play highlander those are the formats we play that aren't modern (laughs) so i built a jeskai ascendancy deck in highlander to tell you this I built the I built this. the Just Guy Ascendancy deck. I sure. like I play all of the best tutors. That's how I get it, and I play all the bad cantrips, and it works. Okay. So I was trying to figure out. This is a high level. You guys know this format that I play is like it's basically legacy level powerful. You're playing the most powerful cards. I was like, I need to have a couple other ways for this deck to win. So I threw a copy of Spell Heart, Spell Heart Chimera on the deck. And it's insane. When you play that card, you have a deck that can cycle through instants and sorceries. You untap, and you're like, all right, I'll swing for 12. Like, mm-hmm. it ends the game so quickly. That's not that different than something you could be doing in modern. You could cycle through your deck so fast. Now, you don't get the free spells. So, you, you know, not having Gitaxian probe matters. The fact that it's street rate that does that not probe makes the card worse. But, like, you've seen people messing around with the card Postmortem Lunge, right? That's a card people have talked about. Postmortem Lunge. At instant speed, for the cost of the creature, not instant speed, with haste, gets the creature back, puts it into play with haste, and adds another point to its power. I think there's a post-mortem lunge, Enigma Drake, uh, Spellheart Chimera, like, spells deck that people could be playing in modern that would catch people with their pants down like crazy. Like, I think that's a real thing. Yes, I agree. I, I, the more you talk about this deck, I mean, like, I know I'm on this train and I'm not trying to do that here, but I do think, like, the reason these decks work here is because of the Phoenix. Like, the fact that you have the ability on turn three to just get nine power haste in play without changing your game plan is very powerful. And this deck, I think, plays with that space where, and even even this is a better payoff than even one of those drakes. Like, the, the problem with these drakes are they die to everything. And the nice thing about the Phoenix is is that it dies to one thing in modern. Well, the Enigma drake doesn't because it's got four toughness. It doesn't die to bolt. Sure. And they cost three, so they don't immediately die to push. They die to half of push, but they, they, the three drops don't die to push totally. Right. It, they're, they're okay. They're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying that you wouldn't play... The, you play Enigma Drake, you play Spellheart Chimera, and you play Arclight Phoenix in the sure. deck. Yeah. I, mean, well, I, I guess your point is that you think the Izzet Drake deck is pretty easy to transfer into modern. I think there's a version of this deck you could find to make work in modern. People kind of have. I mean, that's a little bit what the blue-red the, Phoenix deck is. Right. I, I don't know how much better... I, I think Enigma Drake is just better than a card, say... Um, Bedlam Reveler. And, like, cards in that yeah, angle right, right, where right. it's just like, these are pound for pound just good cards with what you're doing versus Enigma Drakes where and maybe I'm wrong and, and you might totally be right that Enigma Drake is the card to bring in here but yeah I think that's definitely something to be wary of yeah I think it's a, I think it's a cool idea I, I think and I think that there's some other options in modern that are interesting to really really fill your graveyard up um, but anyway so just something I noticed it's, it's a deck that I think is worth there's other variations of that Arclight Phoenix deck and these blue red spells decks these Drake decks that modern sure. could, could feature that we haven't seen featured yet um Okay, so next thing is the top eight of this format. The yeah. final game. Top, the finals, was decided by a Malta five. So brutal. So do you think that 
either at competitive levels like this or in general, the mulligan rule should change to become more tolerant of that moment. Like give you a better chance to have a real hand. Like someone rec- rec- mentioned that you should get rummage um, every time you mulligan you or like when you mulligan you rummage instead of you you draft or you just discard cards from your hand. You basically partial perish. You do what commander was doing forever where you can discard X amount of cards from your hand. You put them to the side. You then draw that many cards once and then put those onto the bottom and then and then you mulligan like regular from that point on. I don't think that that's as good of an idea as uh so I, I one one of the things in in this format it's hard like any sixty card format with four ofs I think you're just you're dealing with redundancy that's so much more impactful because your chances of drawing the right cards when you do that it's different than a than in <laughs> Commander and Highlander where it's singleton hundred card mm-hmm. that's where those different mulligan rules often come into play are those formats like we get a free seven card mulligan in Highlander what what do people do in Commander uh it's the same. You get a free seven. You get a free seven. I, I mean, I wouldn't I believe, hate. Yeah, Highlander and Commander rules are pretty much the same. In that I way. wouldn't hate a free seven at the Pro Tour. Like Pro Tour top eight, you get yeah, a free I don't seven. Hate that. I think that's. Yeah, I don't hate that. I think that's. If you that's got a, a free seven and then your six was the norm. Or was, the top eight gets a free seven. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think if the Pro Tour top eight was a free seven followed by your normal scry off six. I think especially since they left best out of five and they're now best out of three. And I might be wrong on that and someone can correct me, but live chat uh but i believe there since it's best of three it should be mall I, I like the idea of just a free mulligan yeah i mean i just like there is nothing worse than those high oh, level they do matches. Have best of five matches okay uh, i guess like it's best of five yeah and maybe okay, that's like, the reason and then like only more just like if you have if yes if the last game that you're winning in or it's tied and you go to that like you once in a while it'll be mall the five like you mall the five and lose but I've won all the fives. I don't know. That's rough. It also changes. I mean, it's a, it's a farther reaching decision because it changes deck construction. Um, you can build decks with a much, much more glass cannony kind of narrow approach. If you know, you're going to get a free seven, Mm -hmm. which I think is unfortunately worse for magic than better. So in that sense, I don't know if a free seven is helpful, like knowing in modern that you get to, take a free seven makes you want to play Goria's Vengeance. So some deck like that, that's going to try to win on turn two with the exact right draw. Right, it right, makes you right. want to no, throw no, that's, back. And that's what they're saying is uh, the chance even saying that is that by making the mulligan rule better, it makes combo better. And do we want combo to be better? No, a combo okay. needs to exist exactly where it is now, which is like, it's a deck that can, that can win if you play it really well, but you also can lose to yourself because you're playing a bunch of do nothing cards that interact to win the game. Sure. And I think that's better. Magic's not fun when combo is what wins. I think we've all been there before. Um, so this is a whole episode topic that I just wrote down because I think it'd be interesting to talk about next, next week. And we've kind of talked about it before, but I think combo is the only way to have a diverse magic format, though. Having combo is a good thing. Well, because like, but also just combo in general, there's six different, like there's thousands of different combo decks and each strategy is different. It's different than say like mid-range control and aggro are pretty much the same no matter what way you like splice it. Maybe, and then like add burn as a fourth thing, but like combo is really the one way that you actually start having diversity because there's a total difference between storm, between lantern control, between KCI, between like, and I keep elves combo, like all right. of these function so differently. Um, the problem is that when you have too many of them, it starts becoming like two ships passing in the night. And 
But is that, yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we can have another episode um, about it. All right, so before we get to the next step, I do want to do some shout-outs. Uh, first one is make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. They're on yeah. iTunes. They're on Collected.Company. That's also where you can find our actual website existence. Um, if you go to their YouTube channel, the, the third best place to find them, they all have a ton of good video content as well. They do game nights. They do uh, a new show that's called... Um, you know the name better than I do. Oh, uh, it's called Extra Turns. Extra Turns. Um, and yeah, they do great content. Uh, it, I mean, to be totally honest, most of you probably know who they are more than you know who we are. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Uh, We've been working with them since the very beginning. So big shout to them. And then also uh, make sure to check out our Patreon. Uh, so the camera, the mics, the way we're doing this moving forward with your help, we can kind of keep this going on, uh, making sure that we prioritize it. So we really thank all of our Patreon subscribers. Uh, for making it keep happen. It's a little bit amount of money every month, but it's definitely one of the reasons that this show just kept going on as long as it has, and we're really thankful. Very um, thankful. Patreon.com slash the MMCast. We're going to probably look at that pretty soon. Like I would say in January, like post the new year, you think your, your and I plan is to sit down and look at our Patreon tiers and try to figure out like how are we going to reward the people that are on the Patreon better? Because I think that's one thing that we would like to do is make sure that those of you that have been supporting and continue to support have a little bit more of a direct access, like a, yeah. a, a way to really feel like you're part of this process and right. you are we just you know we've been busy and so we haven't um added new things in a while i think it's probably time like our i think our patreon videos from like three and a half years ago yes <laughs> i think it's like yeah. this one of my dad's house when much, was in my dad's house a much younger us yep um cool next thing model white and modern i think we kind of talked about that uh but yeah i mean Modern Way to Modern is basically Has just Has it like, won a GP yet? It was the one, I know that... Craig Wesco. Craig Wesco, I thought, maybe won a GP. Well, that was White Weenie. I don't think he... he at, at one point, Mono Blues obviously won GPs with, with Merfolk. Mono Green has won it with Elves. Mono Red has definitely won it with has Soul Red. Sisters ever won a GP? It's uh, just top eighted. I don't think, I think it's ever it's won. it's top eighted. I don't think it's... Oh, like Proclamation Rebirth decks have just top eighted. Martyr Proc, yeah. Uh, there's like... There's like... There's like... A, like red white prison no, decks no, no. that are I pretty think, heavily white based. I think mono white. I think Soul mono whites wanted won a GP. It's mono black that has never won a GP. There's been never been a eight rack. Uh, eight rack has never won. Really? Yeah. A Nora Zombies deck. Nora Gray Merchant deck. No, like no huh. no no mono black deck has won a modern Pro Tour, but mono white has. I think or not Pro Tour. Uh, Soul Sisters. Right? I think Soul Sisters is what. I kind of remember that happening. Was, I, I think definitely was, top eighted, yeah, but it yeah, might have yeah. won. It might have won a GP. If somebody in the chat knows, that would be great. Yeah, um, then we can get confirmation. This is the best part about doing this live. We yes. Get, we get to be course corrected by the chat. So yeah, I think I think the other than that, I mean the other mono white decks, mono white decks are those like Eldrazi and Taxes decks, and I've seen the mono white ones. Um, that's a thing with like Ar- with like Arbiter and Mind Sensor and then like the Eldrazi creatures. Mm-hmm. But very often those are white black because they want to play Tide Hollow Sculler. Um, there's been almost every variation of those decks. Uh, actually, Death and Taxes decks. Those are those are white. In, in general, before Eldrazi and Taxes was a thing, the oh, Death yeah. and Taxes decks. Oh, I think that's what like won. Flicker Wisp. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, Soul Sisters. It was a Flicker Wisp. Yeah. Like, uh, now those decks are uh, you, Grand Arbiter or Arbiter, not Leon Grand Arbiter. Arbiter. Leon Arbiter. Those decks are usually Eldrazi-ish now. They're they're often like the, that suite of all of your Eldrazi lands and your thought thought seers and stuff are usually what make those decks work. But there have been just straight up mono white ones. That's a thing. Um, so. Uh, so, so this is people are now on the chat arguing about how to do mulligans. Going back to that for a hot second, <laughs> one idea that I've always had that I realized I didn't say is what about Scry equals X times number of mulligans? 
on your first mulligan, it's a scry one. On your second mulligan, it's a scry two. Mm-hmm. I just don't think mulling to five scry two is going to help you that much. I do. I mean, making it so that your next because you don't. It, that's why I think if you scryed one five times, it would be bad because then uh, you, you just uh, have one card. Okay. But scry five is like yeah, insane. You just set the top your your top five cards are part of your hand at that point, but you just don't yep. have them at times, so you have to temper it. And it might be scry mulligan, scry minus one times sure. mulligans or something like that. But yeah. All right. I also think that doing a mulligan, scry, and then you get a free mulligan at scry one, then you scry, then you get a free mulligan at scry one, or even maybe subtracting the scry every other time. Something so you like go that. like from seven to six plus scry to six to five plus scry hmm. to five to four plus scry. Like go down that way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, could be. Um, what else we got? What else on the docket? producer producer yeah I'm the producer i have so many jobs. this has been so nice so it's true this is this is a, a peek behind the curtain for you guys we've done the show for how long now four and a half years mm-hmm. four and a half years ago alex started this i was not on some of you don't know this or don't remember this i was not on the first six episodes i think i think the seventh episode was maybe my first episode and alex started this podcast so like when we when I joined, this was a thing where he had like sort of ownership of it. Like it was, he was the one who was producing it and he would come up with the show outlines and I would just show up over the years. We got busier. We did more things. It became a little more shared. Then he got really busy and he started a company and I took on for the last year, a lot of the production duties, but it's kind of nice. Like, you know, doing this at night and having you make the outline feels like the old days a little bit. It is nice going back to nighttime. Yeah. Uh, doesn't feel as stressful. Um, what do you want to play at this GP you're going to? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be going to Grand Prix Portland. Um, this that's, is the last section to find final shout out. So, yeah. This is it. This is your moment. This is my moment. You're going to play Mono White? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I've, I've thought about playing uh, Death and Taxes decks before. What about Drake Arclight Phoenix things? Yeah. I mean, I, so I've looked at like. there. I, I don't have right left. now a deck that. Really? You got rid of all the rest? Mm hmm. How did you, what, did you sell them online or uh, one? Someone bought them online okay. uh, for four, and then uh, Craig went to some store and sold a bunch. Sold the rest, yeah, nice. Um, I like. I don't have a deck right now that is like that pet deck that I've wanted to play that I've talked about on the show forever. That now I'm going to sleeve up. Like okay. usually, I have that deck. I don't have that right now. I have a lot of ideas. Well, no, things I disagree. That I think are cool. For the last like six months, we've been talking about not six months. For the last three months, we've been talking about Arclight Phoenix with Life in the Loam. Like I think that and the and the. And when I tested it on my phone, I didn't like it that much. I, I changed it. I mean, like so. Can when, I see your list while we're talking? Yeah. You keep talking about what you want to think about playing. Well, um, I judge your list based on my list. Yeah, well, because because originally the deck that I had taken to that GP was a was a uh, what's it called deck? It was a uh, Junt. It was a Junt color deck Correct. with like all the Firebrand archers and stuff. And then the version eventually that I have worked on, uh, no, that's the wrong deck, was a Teamer version. That's that's the one that I here Pirate Tracer will continue. This is this was the last version that I had in my phone, um, and I you and I talked about like what ways to change it. I don't know. That's a that's a possibility. I've I've seen a lot of good Arclight Phoenix decks, so I don't know if like playing this is necessarily the right deck. I think I'm maybe just playing a worse version of a good deck if I do that. I I definitely yeah. I don't like electrostatic field. Yeah, I think that's way worse than thing in the ice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, at that point, it just becomes. Here, I'm going to show you my list. But so basically, <laughs> and we'll post these online. Or I'll yeah. post Ben's here on the camera. And the key things to his is that he's playing four Pondrify, four Serum Visions, and four Flame Jabs, which I yep. think, and four Electrostatic Fields. And I think that's a lot of all of those. Um, 
with flame jab the second one is so much worse than the first three and right. you have so many different ways to draw cards in your deck that like just multiples get bad uh pondrify you're really hyped on and i'm gonna let you continue to be really hyped on i, well, think, I think it's just, a cool idea electrostatic field is just way worse than uh right the wall what's it called that thing, thing of the, ice. the ice which is also a zero like, four the the also the fact that thing of the ice arc like phoenix and bedlam reveler have all these like really intricately cool working yeah uh, like the horror together like stuff. the horror tribal between bedlam reveler oh, and I, could the play, ice. I could play horror tribal jeff roberts and i have been talking <laughs> online about a horror tribal yeah, deck since I believe that episode um and then bedlam reveler and, and arclight phoenix are obviously really good because you discard the art like phoenix and the draw cards build cast arclight phoenix is in the play and then uh arclight phoenix come in after you trigger thing of the ice because of the timing of their enter the battlefield effect so they all work really well together. I kind of want to play the Kragan with Cremator deck <laughs> with Galta and all the huge creatures. That deck's sweet. Yeah, that deck's cool too. Hey, you know another deck, by the way, I was thinking that I'm, I'm curious that we haven't seen they haven't seen show up yet and no one's even played, and let alone in standard no one has played, but mm-hmm. is a, a Rat Colony deck. I'm surprised that no one's tried it yet. It seems like like there are enough things that you can do that make... I think it just <laughs> dies to Lingering Souls. Well, definitely, but obviously you have to just be able to get through. Like, for instance, in Standard, what about that card, like Tetsuo Umazawa Fugitive, the 1-3, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that any creature you have with power, toughness, 1 or less sure. is unblockable? Oh, the right deck, like, there's uh, there's a really good meme on Twitter where I think it was Saffron Olive or it was, or it was, yeah. or it was uh, you know, one of those kind <laughs> of guys. Colony is bad. Yes, I, I think you're probably right. <laughs> Where they like made a rat colony deck on on arena, and it was like really cheap because it's all you know on commons. And like someone was like, "Thanks for like using the internet, yeah, nerd." And then like was like aggressively <laughs> mean to that person, and he was just like, "Okay." <laughs> oh, you know what I could do actually? This is a deck that I've wanted to test out. Maybe I should build this. Is the Nickel Bolas Training Grounds deck? That's a deck that I actually thought was pretty sweet. With with um, it's Training Grounds. Oh, it's modern. Yeah, okay, yeah, fine. Training Grounds and Pack Rat Doesn't and Nickel Bolas for three mana. Isn't the activation? Four for what? It's four and four, right? Or how much does it cost to activate Nickel Bolas to flip them? It costs seven, I believe. Uh, okay, so it would cost five. It costs five, uh, which means you can play Nickel Bolas, untap, and then flip them the next turn. Okay. Um, I think that w- the way I wanted to build this deck was all good spells: Training Grounds, Pack Rat, Nickel Bolas, and then Tassiger, because Tassiger's activated ability then costs two, so okay. you can go Stone Cold Nuts. What was the last time you went to a GP and played a deck that was like a real deck? A real deck. I don't know. Maybe, maybe never. I like don't do that. It's not fun for me. How do you know if you've never done it? <laughs> Actually, well, that's, I told, I take that back. I played Kessel Run, which was kind of a real deck. Kind of, and you had a lot of fun. Yes, but I, but I had like I had some part in building that deck. I swapped out like eight cards from the main deck before I played it. Sure, but I think all these actually, like I think like you finding a good Arclight Phoenix Horror Bedlam Reveler deck and then switching in four Pontify for four of their removal spells is like I can exactly play what Kessel you want to do. Again, actually, I really liked playing Kessel Run. That was really fun. I haven't modified it. Still exists. And I would have to probably take out the meddling mages. I think they're worse. We would have to have a better game plan against spirits to not just like get tempoed out really hard. Sure. But I could play that deck again. That deck was really fun. Yeah. So, all right. All right. That's it for that segment. Uh, internet, world at large, live chat, people watching this, not live, but on YouTube, people listening to this while driving their car. All of you, stop right now and text Ben through Twitter or Tweet through me. the chat at or ben through Baby the comments. Media. Let me know. Yeah, leave your thoughts in the comments about what you think I should play at this yes, GP because I'm going to be spending the next few weeks getting we want ready deck for lists. it. Give me, give me two cards that you'd like people to prioritize having in deck lists they send you. I would love to make a Nickel Bolas deck work with, okay. with the Sander. New four mana He's Bolas. really good. Okay. I would love to play that card. So I think that'd we be want fun. decks with Nickel Bolas and give me a Pontify? 
and Pongify rapid hybridization decks. If yeah. anybody can figure out a way okay. to make that work, I'm into that. Okay. Deal. So, all, right. all right. Thanks, everyone. And then uh, last two shout-outs. Make sure to check out the Facebook groups. we got a big Facebook group. we got a Facebook page. Uh, it's another place that when we go live or post our content, we post it there. Uh, Facebook group is just kind of, I think we're the largest modern group on all of Facebook. By far. We're like 5,000 like, people. Yeah, we like we like own the Facebook modern yeah. conversation. I get lost in there. I, I, it's like too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's like definitely exploded. I, it, it's actually it's a place meant for talking about cool deck ideas, but then there's definitely a crowd of people that want a modern group that's more focused on like winning competitive modern and winning every it's game. It's also like debatable how many people in that group actually listen to this show. There's some. There's some number, but it's, it's I think it's twenty percent. I like did a poll once. Twenty percent of the people in the group listen yeah, to our show. Low. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So more of you guys go check it out so we can raise that number. Like when I'll comment uh, on some, I'll like comment on something. Yeah. So be like, who are you, bro? Get out of here! And I'll be like. Ah, you kick me out of my own band. <laughs> <laughs> it's grown past you, Ben. It's bigger than you. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, and I and have a brand new show new on show. Collider. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have a brand new show on Collider Podcast Network. Um, it's called The Action Guys. Me and Andrew Guy, who a lot of you guys know from Action Movie Anatomy, Alex has guested on that show several times. Uh, we have yes. a new show that we are doing. It's like the sister podcast to Action Movie Anatomy right now. So Action Movie Anatomy is one movie every single week. This is the shorter version that is taking ideas and then like getting to break them down. So for instance, Action Movie Anatomy will do uh, Fight Club one week. We'll have a whole conversation on the Action Guys about David Fincher versus Christopher Nolan, who is the superior director. So they kind of go hand in hand. Check it out. It's on the Collider Podcast Network YouTube channel and also the uh, Movie Talk feed over at Collider. So I'm excited about that. We just launched last week. You can check out the first episode. We do a bunch of stupid Gerard Butler impressions. And uh, yeah, that's going to be that. Cool. So. Uh, and uh, last um, but not least, is you guys all might remember the game Battle Bosses. It's in this top right corner generally all the time. Now zooming in on it in the video. Nice. Uh, it's the game we kickstarted earlier uh, this fall at the beginning of the fall, end of the summer. Um, the backer kit is launching probably at the end of this week, so by the time this video is not live, but just regularly available, uh, you can go check it out. Uh, it's a way to, if you missed the Kickstarter and want to buy it and see what it's about, go buy. If you want to increase what you did on Kickstarter, you can go there if you just want to give us the information for what you want to get and where you need to get it delivered. Uh, check out the backer kit. If you go to the Kickstarter page looking up Battle Bosses, it'll be linked to there. Also our website, also on Twitter, also everywhere, uh, and then probably in the show notes. So um, make sure to check that out and Ben just scrolled away from my face because he <laughs> wants to talk. I just like that we can move this camera around. We never do. We always like just keep it static. We never use it. So anyway, guys, You're right. thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You guys have been terrific. Um, we love doing the show. We'll be yeah. back same time, same place next week. We have a, our spoiler thanks, for Ultimate Masters coming up. So yeah. stay tuned for that. Preview card on Tuesday. Probably in the morning. It'll be yeah. one of our last morning recordings because we have to do it. Well, generally preview cards will be in the morning. So it'll be Tuesday morning. Check it out. Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Ben's going to dress up like a turkey. Really? Yeah. All right. It's happening. Thank Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.